Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 134 of the podcast, Leading Simple, where our goal is to help make real life and following Jesus a little bit more simple, as complicated as it can seem. And I hope you're having a great new year. We've got a bit of a new podcast format. We've recently been picked up by an incredible platform called Charisma. And for literally millions of people who listen to podcasts from Charisma, thank you for having us. And we've also picked up some new sponsors that help make the show happen. Today we're sponsored by Growmentum. It's an organization that helps churches reach their potential. It's a consulting group. I love the guys at Growmentum. They're fantastic. You can find out more at growmentumgroup.com. They help you work on the church, not just in the church, which so many of us kind of overlook. We're also sponsored by Stadia Church Planting Group. Recently, Stadia came out and said they're going to cut their fees to zero so that churches could use those fees they were giving back to Stadia to plant more churches. They are working so diligently to plant more churches in the United States and around the world to stop the shortage of churches that we have. If you're interested in planting a church, you can check out stadiachurchplanting.com. And hey, if you're interested in planting in California, we're trying to plant 30 churches by the year 2030. Uh, just call us or reach out to us here at Real Life Church. Well, today, my guest, oh, I'm so excited about this. My guest is a pastor, author, college professor, and leadership architect. He's a consultant, and his book, Leadership Pain, literally changed my life. It's Dr. Samuel Chand, Sam Chand, as he goes by uh, with those that know him. I'm honored to know him now, uh, and I think you're going to really appreciate what he has to say. So enjoy Dr. Samuel Chand. Dr. Chan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have any of your time, and you've been a blessing to me for years. And our leaders and our listeners who are, are participating right now may not know much about your story. So give us in a nutshell a little bit of, of who you are and where you've come from and how you got to where you are right now. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Pastor George, Pastor Rusty George, for allowing me to be on your uh, podcast. I'm just totally honored anytime anybody has two seconds to hear what I've got to say. So thank you so very, very much. By now, if you're listening to me, you know I'm not from South Georgia. So uh, <laughs> even though I live in Atlanta, uh, you can tell from my accent that I'm from somewhere else. And that somewhere else happens to be India. I was very, very uh, blessed, absolutely blessed to be born in a spirit-filled pastor's home. In India, he was, my dad was a pioneer uh, who started that church. It was so I just was uh, blessed to be out of the uh, literally, uh, you know, billion plus people in India. I, the Lord placed me in that home. So I got saved at an early age of seven. I've been saved off and on since then. Uh, sometimes off, sometimes on. I still have those days. <laughs> I still have some off days. Yeah, uh, he's still working on me. So uh, uh, I got saved at the age of seven. Uh, God blessed me with good education. I came to the United States of America in 1973. I was 20 then. I'm 68 now. Uh, I uh, went to Bible college in Atlanta. I made uh, the way that I was able to sustain myself was a scholarship that they gave me, which was 
Uh, I was a breakfast cook, uh, janitor, and dishwasher. I did that uh, every day for three and a half years. And then uh, the Lord was good to me. I graduated from there uh, and then returned to the same Bible college in 1989 to be their president. So that was quite a God story in itself, you know, from janitor, dishwasher, breakfast cook to coming back. And, you know, the fun part is some of the same people who were my bosses who tormented me were still on staff. And now I came back to just torment them. I mean, <laughs> hey, listen, can I tell you something? God made a lot of promises. Like God says, vengeance is mine. Let me tell you, I was very disappointed in God. He was just not being vengeful enough. So uh, he needed some help. <laughs> I had a great time. Uh, so I became president there for uh, 15 years. And the Bible college grew to be America's fastest growing, dual accreditation and all that, all that. And uh, now before that, I pastored in Michigan, as youth pastor in Oregon. So I graduated in 1977. I was pastor till 1989. Uh, I was also youth pastor in Oregon, but I was pastor in Michigan. And then uh, I resigned from the university in uh, 2003 to do what I do now. And, and my greatest joy of my life is to serve my heroes. Pastors are my heroes. Churches, church, according to the Lord himself, is his bride. So I get to serve his bride and his heroes every day of my life somewhere all over the world. So God allowed me to uh, have some influence and ev on every continent. And so that's in a nutshell. I could bore everybody on and on, but I'll stop right now. <laughs> I love that phrase. He's not vengeful enough. Boy, I'm going to steal <laughs> that one. That's good. All right. So we have had as a society, uh, from best of my recollection, about 30 years worth of leadership talk. There was a book here and there. There was the Dale Carnegie here and there before. But it seems like when Maxwell kind of hit the, uh, the presses that suddenly people started to think about it in a different way. We started to talk about it in a different way. You write in an area of leadership and talk about leadership a lot. What do people miss when they use the word leadership, it's almost so flippantly used. I wonder if we even know what it is. Can you help define it? What are we missing when we talk about it? That's a great question. It's a very broad question. With your permission, I'd like to narrow that question to leaders themselves. Okay. Uh, rather than leadership, I want to talk maybe leaders themselves. I think there's a real deficiency of friendships. I'm talking about real, true, blue friendships. Friendships in which you can actually not just hang out with them and chit chat, but you can actually share your life. Uh, and I can tell you how I define a friend. If something amazing happens to me, if my rich uncle died and left me 10 million bucks, who would be the first friend I would call? Now, if I had a tragedy, the list is long. I can call all kinds of people to pray with me, and they will be very genuine, very authentic. They would pray with me, but to really share celebratory stuff is how I define friendship now. And you know something? That list is short. It's like, you know, they might misunderstand me or 
they'll think I'm bragging. I mean, where will they put this information? That I just came into 10 million bucks. I mean, why are you telling me this uh, kind of thing? And and I have I go through all I would go through all these filters, so to speak, of why I don't want to share this amazing news that's happened with me. May have nothing to do with them. Uh, but what's happened with me and so I think there's real deficiency in friendships. I want to take that one step further. If I'm talking to pastors right now, predominantly, I didn't, I should have asked you that question, but if I'm talking to pastors, one of the few past things that pastors don't do is to really care for each other outside the context of their churches. They don't pray with each other. I mean, they doesn't call to say, hey, Rusty, how are you doing, man? How's your family? How are your kids? How's your health? You doing all right financially? Hey, listen, Rusty, you're getting old. How are you thinking about your retirement? You know, what are your succession plan? Hey, Rusty, uh, so uh, how is uh, your wife thinking about the future, your guys' future together? Your kids are going to college. What are you going to do now? Kind of, Kind of thing that is not the metrics of church and programming for church and are you opening back up, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, and how many are you coming? What, what's online? What's your engagement? What's the discipleship plan? I think all those are cool questions, but they're not friendship questions. They are uh, utility questions, they're functional questions. So the, the other thing I would say totally different what I've said right now that we are missing is a sense of curiosity. Hmm. Just curiosity. You know, that is why kids learn more by the age of three than they will the rest of their lives. Hmm. Uh, that's where they learn yellow, green, purple, blue. They, they learn hurt uh, good. They learn to love ice cream. They learn to hate broccoli. Uh, they, they poke their fingers in places they ought not to be. They have no fear. They, they, every fear that they, a kid has is a learned fear. We're not born with fear. But by the age of three, a kid will learn more about life than they will the rest of their life. In fact, the higher you go in education, the narrower your focus gets. So if you are in high school, you have 10, 15 subjects, you do a PhD, you're writing that dissertation on the narrowest topic possible that nobody's ever, ever written before. So what good is that? So, so I just, I just think that if leaders had a sense of curiosity rather than coming to analysis and questions, uh, our leadership would be better. And that is why we go into staff meeting rooms and very few of our staff is really curious. They just look for answers. They're not curious about, so what happened? Why, why did that happen? How can I change that the next time? And what is my enabling behavior? Just cur curious about life, curious about people. People are fascinating if you get curious about them. Let's drill down on that just a little bit. If I'm leading a meeting with a group of people, there is some information that has to be communicated just for the sake of keeping the organization moving forward. But what portion of the meeting should I spend on curiosity and drilling down on various things or asking questions, I should say? I'll answer that, but let me also say this before I answer that is when was the last time you put some information on the table and someone says, tell me more about that? Hmm. Or, uh, Pastor, uh, thank you for asking the question. I'm curious about the genesis of your question. Where did that question come from? Uh, 
Uh, Pastor, I understand we are planning to do this. Uh, so how should we think about that? Mm. Uh, questions of curiosity that would say that there is more than is at the surface and how can we dig a little deeper? How can we go be, uh, beneath the water line? How can we have the kind of conversation that help us understand each other uh, beyond a Myers-Briggs or a strength finder? How, mm. how can we really uh, know what makes the pastor tick? I mean, what is the user manual for the pastor? Pastor, uh, I see you're upset about that. Tell us more about that uh, rather than, okay, well, we'll figure it out. Uh, why do we jump so quickly to the tactical components of it rather than asking, why are we doing this? Have we uh, exhausted every other means? Uh, do we have to do this again? Uh, can we kill it? <laughs> can we stop this thing here? Uh, Pastor, you really enjoy doing this. Tell us more about that. Help us understand you. Because if I was on staff today, I can tell you what I'd be doing. My number one task on the staff would be to learn and understand my senior pastor. Who is he? Who is she? What makes them tick? I, I want to know the life story apart from the pulpit story. I, I want to know so what happens. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Is all clean and happy, live live happily ever after, and God works it out in all of our platform stories. But you know, I just want to know what are you afraid of, Pastor? You, you've been here for 20 years. What's your greatest fear going forward? Uh, I want to I want to get to know my leader, not the leader, leader, but the the person, the herself, the himself. I want to I want to be curious about you. And I'll tell you where all this comes from. So I'm 68. My parents, my mother died in 1992. My dad died in 1991. And man, I think so often I didn't ask them questions like, how did you all meet? So so has it been happily ever after? Uh, tell tell me, tell me about your childhood. Tell me where did you go to school? I have no idea where my parents went to school. Hmm. And they were both educated people, college educated people. I have no idea how they met. I have, hmm. you know, I, 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 I want, I was just not curious enough. And, and so all those things inform me now that if I was on your staff right now, I would do the job and I'd do that uh, to the best of my ability and hopefully exceed your expectations. But boy, I would find every opportunity. And I'm not talking about hanging out with you and being a pest. I'd find every opportunity to find out who is Rusty George? Where did he come from? Why did he think the way he thinks? What makes him tick? Why is he so angry at this stuff? What makes him laugh? What makes him cry? What brings him joy? What frustrates the heck out of him? Uh, and just stuff like that. Yeah, just curious about people. That's so good. And I think very few staffs are curious about their pastor. Yeah, that's and it's pretty obvious when you meet somebody who actually is concerned and uh, has questions that they really want to know rather than just trying to uh, um, either be a pest or, you know, get in good graces. I want to talk to you about uh, leadership as an art and a science. We, we hear this a lot that leadership's an art and a science. And I think that what you've just described is the art of leadership, which probably has a lot to do with curiosity. But what would you say is the science of leadership that doesn't really seem to change very much? It's kind of the same today as it was 30, 50, 100 years ago. 
Uh, the science would be the what and why. That's the science. The art is the who, the when, the where, uh, the how. That is the art. So the science is we need to do this at our church. We need to do this in our corporation. And this is why we're going to need to do this. The what and the why is the is the, what I call the hard the hard leadership, the hard part of leadership, not the hard part, the hard side of leadership, hard side of leadership. But the art is, is it too early to tell them? Who do I need to bring along? The art is who do I talk to first? The art is, do I need to do this in January or do I need to wait till summer? Hmm. I, I mean, uh, when churches are, are dealing with uh, what this, next normal is going to look like that's going to call for a lot more art than science mm -hmm. so who can handle this information who has the capacity uh the the art is so how are we going to do this mm -hmm. and the the tactical component so i think the the science is a strategic component and strategy has only two questions what and why everything else is tactical i and a lot of people think that's strategic the, that's not strategic. It's all tactical. And we we confuse the two. So you're right. The what and the why go into all the world is the what. Make disciples. We're trying to empty hell and populate heaven. We know the why. We know people need Jesus. We know the why. We know the what. Uh, the what is reaching people. Uh, we used to call it evangelism. And now we just call it whatever we want to call it. And that's all good. As long as we're reaching people, you can call it anything you want to. And then, you know, we just, so we know the what and the why, but where are you going to do it? You're going to do it multi-site. You're going to do one location. You're going to do it. Uh, what kind of church polity you're going to have, you, you know, what kind of bylaws you're going to do, succession planning. I do a lot of succession planning and transition planning. And that, my friend, is all art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It really is. Because for every story that you've seen go right, it's not a playbook you can take and slap down in another situation because it doesn't always end up with the same result. Exactly right. So, you know, whenever I get engaged uh, with uh, succession and transition, I'm not so concerned about the when or the how or the where. I, I just want to know who is this person mm -hmm. and what are their fears now? What's traumatizing them? Mm -hmm. Why have they waited till they were 87? Right. <laughs> okay, so let me sh let me shift gears just a little bit here to the book that I read from you that literally changed my life and ministry and and really was water to a thirsty soul for me. And that was the book called Leadership Pain. Um, this was a book unlike any other in that it really got to the heart of the painful side of leadership. And you have kind of a basic thesis, so to speak, in this book of what it is you're, you're trying to accomplish. Um, and, and I love this quote, which kind of gets to the heart of it. There's no growth without change, no change without loss, no loss without pain. So there's no growth without pain. Where did that come from? Why did you decide to write this book? So can I ask you a question? How did you get a hold of the book? How did you get the book? Somebody told me about it. Yeah, it a, yeah. Uh, we've been through um, enough pain in our ministry of, uh, you know, loss and hurt and just life stuff. When you 
as you talk about, the bigger you get, the more difficulties you face. And as we face that, uh, somebody handed me the book at one point and, uh, it, it was amazing. Yeah. So, uh, when I traveled and spoke at, especially at round table, leadership round table, where I have 15, 20 people at the most high level leaders, somewhere in there, uh, Pastor Rusty, the question and some variation would come up, which would say things like, so what's the difference between a large church pastor and a smaller church pastor? Uh, why is it that some great small and medium sized churches, uh, pastors cannot grow the churches when they have the capacity to do that? Uh, why do some uh, uh, cor corporate CEOs grow a company and others don't? All of them went to the same business schools. So that became kind of a study for me as to why that happens. What is the differentiating factor? And so it's not uh, leadership. It is not administration. It is not facilities. It is not money. It is not your staff. And I concluded that the differentiating factor is the ability to handle pain. Hey, let me interrupt this podcast, let you know some exciting news. Our latest book, After Amen, is now on Audible. Uh, so for those of you that really want to listen before you read or just listen, now you can. You can buy it today on Audible. Uh, some of you have credits you've been waiting to redeem. Go ahead and do that now. Uh, so for those wanting to read it, but you needed to do it on the run, now you can. Download it today through audible.com or amazon.com. All right, back to the show. The, the differentiating factor is the ability to handle pain. And so the thesis sentence in the book that you'll see again and again is, you will grow only to the threshold of your pain. You will grow only to the threshold of your pain. So how do you grow your pain? With more pain. So everybody wants to go higher, but nobody wants to grow the, the pain tolerance in their life. So when I'm looking at you, talking to you right now, and everybody who's listening to me uh, can see uh, leaders that they admire, and all of the stories are painful stories. I mean, is there any person in the Bible that does not have a pain story? Mm. So, I mean, we revere Paul, for example. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But man, I mean, he went through all kinds of pain, not just, I mean, physical pain, emotional pain. Uh, he, I mean, he conflict pain. I mean, any kind of pain you mentioned, he was a pain magnet. And yet he uh, was who he was. So there's every character in the Bible is a painful story. And yet somehow in our day and time, Pastor Rusty, uh, we gravitate to pleasure and run from pain. And yet pain is a friend. You put your hand on a hot stove. If you didn't feel pain, your hand would burn up. Pain is a friend. Uh, pain allows us to grow in way. I can tell you this about my life. Every growth moment in my life, every growth spurt in my life, has come in direct proportion to the pain in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. So I grew in my marriage because of pain. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew in my leadership because of pain. Uh, just, just grew in those areas. So you quote from the book where I talk about the four, the four lines in the book are uh, growth equals change, change equals loss, uh, 
loss equals pain. Therefore, growth equals pain. So I think every leader wants to have growth without pain. Mm-hmm. But you will have people leave you before they come to you. People betray you. Your best friend will leave you. Uh, think the most painful, for for example, the most painful uh, place in a church planter's life, in a church planter's life, is because we all start our churches with friends, our best right. friends. Right. And the most painful thing will be the people you started with, you have to let them go one at a time. You have to let go of your best friend sooner or later, you will. And so, yeah, pain is that part of our life. I love the line in the book, and I I laughed out loud when you said it, and yet it was so therapeutic for me. When you mentioned being, I think, at a different church or a group of pastors, and you said, I don't know your churches, I've not been to your churches, but I can tell you that 10% of your people are devils. (laughs) And I thought, amen. Uh, We've all faced those people that just feel like they are, you know, God's messenger to tell you how awful you are. Um. Where, where did that come from and why 10%? Well, whenever I say 10%, some people say, is that all? I got more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just made that up, actually, that 10% sounded like high enough threshold for people to nod their head and say, yeah, I know the 10. I can, I, I can make a list of them. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, and, the, and the challenge is, you know who they are. Uh and yet they are they are there there and they get replaced faster than your good members right so the the other thing is uh the scripture in jeremiah and the, whenever i'm speaking to uh, at conferences and stuff uh what i say to that is if if ten, if you got 100 people you got 10 devils if you got 500 people, you got 50 devils. You got 1,000 people, you got 100 devils. You got 10,000 people, you got 1,000 devils. And then I ask, so how many of you want a 10,000 member church now? <laughs> <laughs> because Jeremiah says to us, he says to us, if you cannot run with the footmen, how will you perform when the horses show up? How will you compare to chariots? And so if you can handle 10 devils, why should he trust you with 100 devils? And I think every growth comes with knowing that he's trusting me more with more devils. Right. All right. And, let, me, let me ask you this then. There's sometimes we have pain because we just keep putting our hand on the hot stove. Yeah. Yeah. Because we keep doing something that's just stupid or we've made a, a mistake and it's a pain that is really our fault. Then there's another kind of pain that we can grow from. Now you would probably say you can grow from both, but how do I know that there's that the pain I'm going through is a pain of growth versus a pain of being unhealthy? That's a great question because it's it's a growth pains are easier to to discern than I'm being stupid. Because I don't know about you, but I'm totally self-delusional. I lie to myself all day long. I'll believe my own lies. So I just think it's always somebody else's fault. It's never me. I'm the best. They're not. world would be wonderful if everyone was just like me. Right. So, you know, so that is at least how most people think, including myself. And I want to say that if there's a recurring pain, if there's a recurring pain, you got to step back from that and ask yourself, 
why is it happening like this all the time? Or the bigger question is, if I could deconstruct this, uh, what are similarities to other things that's happening the same way in my life? And I think uh, one of the chapters in the book uh, is what I call pain partners. And if you uh, remember earlier on, I said one of the things that we miss is friendship. I think we need some pain partners who will say, you're just stupid. Mm-hmm. Why, do you, why do you keep sticking your hand on that hot stove again and again? Uh, when will you learn? So uh, I, I just think pain partners. And in my life, the best person who can help me discern that is my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan and I got married in 1979. God been good to us. But she can speak truth into my life, not always in the most discerning way. But <laughs> I sometimes I wish she would find in a more appropriate time or better <laughs> words or, uh, you know, uh, uh, all those kind of things. But uh, all of us who are married, we the longer I live, the more I'm married to Brenda, the more I appreciate her heart for me. Yeah, And she's never saying anything to hurt me. She's always trying to do things to help me. All right. So we could talk about leadership pain all day, but I, I really want our people to go out and, and get the book and, and read it because it's so, so helpful. But I want to talk about your new book, which is New Thinking, New Results. So tell us where that came from and, and why this book at this time. Actually, Pastor Rusty, the name of the book is New Thinking, New Future. But Okay. New results sound better. New results sound better. New results. If I was to, if I republish that book, it's going to be new results. Well, then I get a little something on the back end for that too, because I renamed it for you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that book came from uh, comes to from the previous question you just asked. People continue doing the same thing uh, without new thinking. So you know, here here we are. Here we are in totally uncharted territory all over the world globally. It's not going to be doing the same thing that are going to get you results. It's going to be new thinking. For example, new thinking, how should I think about my leadership now? How should I think about my communication skills? Uh, how should I think about communication and engagement? How should I think about my staff? Who is obsolete now needs to find some other place to be productive? Uh, uh, new, uh, how to think about people who are low down on the totem pole, but now listed in executive rooms over the last seven, eight months. How should I think about uh, what look it looks like? What does outreach look like? So how should I how should I think about thinking? Mm. Uh, how should I think about what not only the future holds for the church, but what the future holds for me uh, as an individual? Every pastor has to think about how this has affected their psyche, how it's affected them deep down the soul. Every pastor I'm talking to, Pastor Rusty, is frazzled, fried, fatigued, exhausted. Uh, so how should I think about that? So usually our questions are, what should I do about something? Which is really not the best question. What should I do? The first question should be, how should I think about this? Huh, that's good. And when you ask yourself, how should I think about this? That is a totally different question that takes you down a pathway of being contemplative, being introspective, uh, not being necessarily philosophical, but definitely saying there's more to this than meets the eye. 
So you mentioned in the book that there are three kind of stages we walk through. There's learn, unlearn, and relearn. Can you walk us through that? Absolutely. So I read this quote from Alvin Toffler, I want to say 40 years ago. And Alvin Toffler said this. He said, the illiterate of the future will not be those who can't read or write. He went on to say, the illiterate of the future will be those who can't learn, unlearn, and relearn. And in my life, I have found that challenge to be true every day. And I can tell you which is my biggest challenge. I have categorized those uh, in my in my life. My biggest challenge is unlearning. My second biggest challenge is relearning. And my third challenge is learning. Learning comes easy. Unlearning, just, I can't unlearn old ways of thinking. I can't unlearn uh, ways that I have uh, lived my life. Uh, I got to unlearn how I communicate. Uh, it just is a totally unlearning experience. So, uh, for example, pastors who got used to uh, a responsive congregation, who once in a while would say an amen or preach it, sir, you know, or something like that, you know, uh, now that they're speaking to empty cameras, and that's not there. How do you unlearn? How do you unlearn communication and pick up engagement? How do you, uh, I mean, it just is, uh, how do you, it's just like unlearning a golf swing. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's unlearning. If you taught yourself to play the keyboard or the saxophone, you know, unlearning all of that and learning it the right way. So I had to unlearn learning. Uh, simply where I get my learning from. One of the things that I've heard you talk about is say whatever you want about leadership and all the things that you want to do and all your great plans for a, a staff meeting or what have you. And some of our leaders lead staff. Some of them lead themselves. They lead uh, their family. Uh, many lead in areas of our church. But you gave this great definition of this idea of who does what by when is the question that everybody has to answer, which kind of gets to the moonshot from JFK, a man on the moon and back by the end of the decade. And it kind of gets to a little bit of what you said earlier, the difference between the art and science of leadership. Talk to us about that sentence and why that's so important. Who does what by when? So I started consulting with uh, large church pastors, about 30 years ago or so. And one of the greatest uh, frustration was we have a lot of talk, mm -hmm. but execution is very weak. Mm -hmm. People leave the meeting nodding their heads. Uh, we send out action plans and minutes of the meetings. And, you know, we have these wonderful charts and we buy software and we have it on our phone now and there's a tracking mechanism and we hired this executive pastor who's gonna make sure everything gets done. And then you end up chasing the executive pastor to see if the executive pastor is making sure things are getting done. So uh, what I learned in church was after all is said and done, more is said than done. Mm -hmm. So I saw that as a pain point in leaders' lives of not being able to execute or have people execute. So after much searching, I came up with this with this sentence. 
which says who does what by when. So I said to pastors, if I was uh, consulting with you, I would say to you, Pastor Rusty, before you move on from agenda item two to agenda item three, you got to stop. Just put a pause and make this a culture of the church, culture of your organization, culture of your company to say who does what by when. So who is got to be a designated person? Anytime it becomes uh, a group responsibility, assure yourself it's not going to get done. Think back to school and group projects. Everybody hates group projects because that's there's that one person who carries the load and everybody else gets the credit. So, yeah, and that still happens in church. That did not stop in school. So you got to know who, you got to know if this does not get done, who am I going to kill? You. <laughs> You you should not use a shotgun, but a long rifle. Uh -huh. That's <laughs> yeah, right. You gotta know who. So before you move on from agenda nine, item two to three, there's gotta be a designated who. Does what? That means you gotta be very clear. And I can tell you this about church folk. Church folk can take the clearest thing and not understand it. Or they'll look at you and say, I got it. And they'll shake their head as if they got it. I mean, uh, if you have to draw pictures on a napkin, do that. That'll save you being homicidal later on. Uh, so you got to say, do you understand what I, what I mean by what? I'll tell you a story. So I was uh, invited to this round table. I was with this pastor in his office. And now we're going down to this conference room that 15, 20 uh, pastors are going to gather. And we walk into that uh, that large area. And all of a sudden, I see this pastor get mad. I mean, he was mad. He was happy just a second ago. Now he's mad. I said to him, what's wrong with you? He said, hey, I told them to set up tables. I said, I see I see tables. There are tables and chairs. I see tables and chairs. He said, no, I meant for them to put wrong tables. I said, did you tell them that? He said, do I have to tell them that? I said, of course you do. <laughs> so he, he he went on and asked me the next question. Do I have to draw pictures? I said, of course I you do. Yes. So who does what? Be as clear as possible. What? By when? If you don't have a deadline, it won't happen. Everything in life that is important has a deadline, has a date on it. If it is not on a calendar, it's not going to happen. And if you can create a culture when you start holding people accountable for those three, three things, who does what by when? So, so I mean, don't say ASAP. When you say ASAP, what does ASAP mean? Because my as soon as possible is always going to be sooner than your possible. So, yeah, yeah so cut through all of that. Stop being homicidal. You know, stay saved a little longer. And just let. So, I want to say to uh, pastors and leaders in corporate America, wherever you might be, after every point that you're discussing the meeting, you should have the sentence there. Who does what by when? If you move on from there, assure yourself it's not going to happen. That's so good. That is so good. Well, that's that's worth the price of the podcast right there, which, of course, is free. But thank you. Hey, how can people find out more about you? I know you have a, a magazine that's out there, a, a book to give away as well. Tell, tell me how people can find out uh, your resources. Uh you can go to samchan.com. If you want to get free copies of my leadership journal called Avail, uh, you can get, uh, it's, it's 132 pages, glossy, five color, Christian leadership. You can get yours free. Simply going to samchan.com slash Avail, A-B-A-I-L, samchan.com. 
calm stash avail uh many people uh, churches literally thousands of churches that i know about uh use my leadership resources from a leadership institute and right now pastor rusty i've got a special going on in which i don't charge you you just tell me whatever you want to pay and no questions asked it's yours it's a 12 month program every month you get a book from me you get four videos every month that teach that book so at the end of the day you're going to have 12 books a digital or hard copy your choice you get 12 books you get about 50 videos you get a certificate at the end and i'm just calling that a covid special so it is samjain.com/covid you go there you can put in your name and email address and how much you want to pay no questions asked you can do that so yeah samjain.com/avail samjain.com/covid it just is just trying to make it available to people freely we have received and we try to give it away as much as possible that's amazing well thank you so much for blessing my life for countless pastors and for the people that have listened to this podcast we're so grateful for you dr chan thank you so much well thanks for listening uh, i just i found so much that was helpful in that conversation i've been thinking about it ever since we first recorded this a few weeks ago and i'm so glad you get to hear it now and make sure you share this with a friend that might be encouraged by it and if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast so you make sure you get it first and foremost the moment it is released next week my good friend Brad Williams will be back and we're going to sit down and have a great conversation about where we're headed in 2021 you are not going to want to miss it i want to say thank you to Growmentum and Stadia for sponsoring and if you're interested in sponsoring the show you can contact me at rgeorge at reallifechurch.org. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Learn.